0: What's up, everybody? Uh, I wanted to bring you this uh, podcast that I was on. It's called Hostile Discourse. Uh, these are some folks that I knew from way back in the day, like back when I was in high school. And they started up a podcast where they talk about all sorts of stuff. Uh, in the first half, we have a very uh, uh, cool discussion about you know the origins of where I'm from and and some of the things I've dealt with in the past uh, in the broadcasting space that we maybe haven't talked about before on this podcast. Uh, and then we, co- we close it out with a debate about which video game is the greatest video game or most influential video game of all time. Uh, I, had, uh, I had a great time being on this podcast. I think you will enjoy listening to it. So listen up. And if you feel so inclined, give these guys uh, a follow themselves. Peace.
1: time for Hostile Discourse. Here's your host, David Rolfing.
2: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 31 of Hostile Discourse. We have a really fun show planned for you tonight and an exciting first-time guest, Professor Broman, who if you did not know, is a full-time Twitch streamer and also an entrepreneur, so we're excited to get to know him a little better tonight and get his video game expertise in on the debate tonight. I wanted to take a moment just to briefly explain what Hostile Discourse is. I'm sure we'll have a few new listeners this week. In Twitch terms, I'd say we're a variety show. Um, We like to just talk about things that we're passionate about, and that includes recent movies, video games, sporting events, or TV shows. So hopefully you can find a couple topics that are interesting on various episodes. Tonight we will be talking more specifically about bromance, career as a twitch streamer and how he got there and what it's like doing that full-time and we're also going to talk about our experiences playing sea of thieves from the scale test and the beta this last weekend because we're all pretty pumped for the release next week and then lastly we're going to debate what is the most influential game of all time so that will be a fun one but first let me introduce you to tonight's crew starting with first-time guest professor broman from tampa florida hi welcome bro man i'm professor Broman. hi how are you or, or ben either one is good we'll mix it up throughout the night i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure and back again returning guest, Kanan smith from colorado springs what's up everyone welcome back and my loyal co-host jared cozart you've been gone for a while we're glad to have you back from the hostel in tulsa oklahoma hey gang good to be back and last but not least, the doctor himself, Joe Kuyper from Oklahoma City. someone <laughs> who my new nickname
3: on this podcast. Hello, everyone. He's no, he's no doctor yet. If no you're lucky, because
2: you're, you're not really a doctor yet. Half a doctor. All right, let's get started. So, Broman, I wanted to start off with this question. So I know a lot of people... Even our age don't even know what Twitch is yet. I was talking to a girl the other day and she was like, what, what the heck is Twitch? So if somebody's grandma asks you what you do for a living, how do you explain it to them? Because even people our age don't even know what Twitch is, which is crazy as a gamer. But how would you explain to somebody's grandma what you do?
0: So, I mean, usually I contextualize the conversation, so I would assume I would know a little bit about their grandma. Um, but I, I always find the best way to explain Twitch is to find the thing that the person enjoys the most for entertainment. So like, let's say grandma really, really liked MMA. So I'd say grandma, you know how you really, really like watching MMA and you just love watching two people beat the living crap out of each other. (laughs) Um, Twitch is, you know, what MMA is for you. Twitch is that for gamers, you know, even though you might not want to hop in the ring and, you know, duke it out. With Mighty Mouse uh, or whoever's your favorite UFC fighter is, um, you know you still enjoy watching them because they have a high level of skill, or you like their personalities, or you like the drama of everything. And Twitch is that entire ecosystem for gaming, so that's usually how I explain it. And and folks, even if even afterwards, like th- they'll have like an emotional context for it, they're like, oh, I guess I understand why people like that. Um, <laughs> You know, and if they want to go deeper, they usually ask. But I find that that's usually the most simple way to explain it.
3: How many bloodthirsty grandmas have you met?
2: Not a lot. (laughs) I just like the idea of grandma getting in the octagon and duking it out. It's funny you mentioned Demetrius Johnson because he's a Twitch streamer. He is. So you probably know that. That's why he came to mind. That's awesome. Yeah, you're you're gonna bridge the gap with grandma.
0: Did you know that this guy?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that. So I know that you from personal experience you were heavily involved in improv and some various acting and stuff like that back in high school was that a big influence in your path towards entertainment
0: yeah you know one of the uh one of the most important skills that you have when you're live consistently and this is one of the big i think like markers of it's like a skill marker right like if you do pre-produce content you're you are probably like very good at editing When you have really good analytical mind to pick out, like, you know, these are the best storytelling moments inside of this 10 hour sequence. Right. And then you pull out the best five minutes. And um, whereas when you're live streaming, you need to be on all the time. So it's about having like a sustained level of energy and interaction over a longer period of time. I know a lot of YouTubers and and, uh, people who make edited content that try and do live streaming and they come on and then like (laughs) every fucking time. The first thing that they say when they come off of their first stream is they're like, it'll be like two hours and they'll be like, I am exhausted. I am so tired because they're trying to do, you know, whatever it is they do for their videos. Be like, hey, wow, dudes, like, whoa, like the whole time. <laughs> and that's exhausting, uh, especially if you're not used to having a sustained like level of output. So I think that especially improv in particular taught me, you know, the value of reading your audience, which. Uh, I had to sort of, re- learn. it's interesting you bring up improv because I've talked about this before on on my podcast. I had to unlearn some things about improv because a live audience is way smarter than a, a gaggle of people in a chat room. Uh, so like the first rule of improv is like, you know, your audience is a genius. And the first rule of streaming on Twitch is like, they're all right, but they're mostly stupid because <laughs> because like large groups of people, they'll have groupthink and they'll miss things that you say. But yeah, uh, I, I think that, that having experience with with improv and being able to think on my feet, uh, the three years that I did that in high school, and then um, you know as I continued to enjoy storytelling and things like that, grow um, you know, before I got into streaming, really helped me as a broadcaster because no matter what gets thrown at you, you can do something about it.
2: Nice. Um, from the outset, were you trying to make it your full time career, or was there kind of a turning oh, point that you saw something in the industry that made it seem like this was a viable career option, or was the introduction of Twitch, or how did how did that kind of work when you decided to go for it as your career?
0: Sure. What drew me into Twitch was charity. So the first thing I ever watched on Twitch was a charity marathon called Hurricane Sandy Thon to benefit uh, victims of Hurricane Sandy and i tuned in and i saw these people doing something i never heard of before which was called speedrunning which is finishing a game as fast as you possibly can um you may or may not have seen in the news because it happens like twice a year there's big speedrunning charity marathons and so this was like a smaller event and the first thing i ever saw on twitch was a guy named i ate your pie uh speedrunning paper mario and i looked at the chat experience uh and it it blew my mind because uh, at that point this was like 6 years ago a lot of media companies were trying to do second screen right uh so like watch this show with your phone out and you can take pictures of the show and like you'll get points (laughs) and shit
2: um yeah i remember that
0: yeah like so it was like this really like it was a good idea but it felt disconnected yeah and so when i looked at twitch i saw like oh my gosh this is the show and then the second screen the second screen for every media company was drive interaction so the second screen was already there on Twitch and it was the chat room. And then I saw how, you know, the people who are running the charity marathon were leveraging that connection into raising money uh, for the victims of this tragedy. So I saw all that and I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I love games. Maybe I'll stream on Twitch. So you fast fast forward a year and uh, my brother had gotten a, like a hop hog HD PVR. Capture card and it was total shit and garbage and I, it was not a good capture card, but it gave us the ability to start streaming and I was like, oh damn, um, you know. And at this point, I had been on forums for a while and uh you know the speedrunning forums in particular, and I was like, oh, what do I speedrun? They're like, just speedrun what you love. So all this charity stuff encouraged me to get involved in the community, and then I started streaming. When I started, my goal wasn't to go full time; it was to make an environment. Where me and the guys from the SDA forums and anyone else who showed up could sort of chill and feel like we were all hanging out on the couch together. So a really welcoming environment where we have a lot of fun and give each other some shit. It wasn't until probably seven months after that that I realized that I that my channel was growing fast enough that I had a chance to take it full time. And then after that happened, I I took my shot. Uh, i made like a timeline i was like i'm gonna get i need to get partnered and make start making this much money within six months or you know i'll uh, you know i'll pack it up and i'll just make this a hobby yeah
2: so that was that was my process that's awesome um
3: that is cool yeah
2: what were some of the games that you did speedrunning in cuz I feel like that takes an extreme amount of skill to get records and burned, do you have any speedrunning records also I burned my I burned all my skill out in the first 18 months of streaming
0: um <laughs> uh so I, I speedrun a lot of different games um uh, the 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 prominent content on my channel when I started was Borderlands 2 so I I I routed which is like planning uh, I planned and uh, assisted in planning the speedruns for you know all six characters for that game, uh, all the the glitches, and at one point or another I held the world record speedrun for like every single category, and then I was promptly beaten. I was promptly beaten because I actually suck. Um, so that and then the other games I speedran, uh, this weird indie game called Anodyne, which was a really fun like Zelda top down thing. Uh, I speedran Dishonored, a game called Broforce uh skyrim which was probably one of my favorite speed runs nice. and then uh i know there's one more i'm forgetting oh yeah surgeon simulator <laughs> <laughs> you, um, wait that I, game actually has like objectives it has yeah well i mean like the, the surgeon simulator speed run was like all surgeries right um yeah. and i wanted to do that because like the year previously at agdq there was another really quirky quirky indie game like quop that someone speed ran and I was like, oh, well, if I can figure out how to speedrun this game, I'll, I'll get the game into the marathon for sure. Because all I wanted to do was was help raise money for, uh, you know, for the Prevent Cancer Foundation, because my family is a, the direct beneficiary of some of the work that they'd done. So I just wanted to get a run there because I knew that if I could show up, I could help raise money because I'm I'm big and I'm loud and passionate about uh, charity. So that, you know, that worked out. But, yeah, the Surgeon Simulator speed is awesome. You can do like every surgery <laughs> um, in. Like I think the whole you can think you do like all the surgeries minus the alien one in like less than two minutes now, but it involves some like really wild crap. Like you'd break the game because there's like only so much acceleration control that, that it can clock. <laughs> so if you move your if you set your mouse like uh, DPI up really hot, a uh, really yeah really high, and just swing it, it would break the game. So like if you needed to like. <laughs> remove somebody's chest cavity instead of having to tap it off like one bit at a time you could swing the hammer and it would just remove everything <laughs> that you needed and then just throw the heart in there and it would take like five seconds uh have you, you know uh, it was have a fun you ever, speed run.
4: ever considered going to med school and then the i totally want to go
0: to med school man <laughs> i was really good there's my favorite part about that that speed run was like you, there were some surgeries that were in the back of an ambulance so you know horrible crap would happen all the time like you'd be like, trying to put these <laughs> lungs in somebody and then the lungs would just tumble out the back, and you're like, "Oh well, my, I guess my speed runs over. I lost both <laughs> lungs, and we can't do this transplant anymore."
3: Um, oh man, I, I want to see, I want to see a bro man surgeon simulator versus Joe real life <laughs> surgery race. I will crush Joe
0: <laughs> in getting the surgery finished, but his yes. patient will live in my will die. Exactly, <laughs> <amazing>. I will, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So th- those were the games that I, those are the games that I used to speed run and. You know, part of that, like speedrunning, is what got me addicted to streaming because I always, I was like, oh, I can do one more run, and so I would end up streaming like, um, and I say this a lot. Like when I started streaming, I streamed like twelve to eighteen hours a day every single day for two and a half years without taking a break. Wow. Um, Part of that was was because of you know the way speedrunning was structured. I got really addicted to it because I was like, oh, it's just like one more chance, like I could get it this time. Um, (laughs) Yeah uh which eventually ended up into like being a really bad habit that I had to break but yeah that's um yeah that's that's what I used to speed run
2: awesome what about other games that were kind of that got you into gaming and were formative in your gaming hobby as a kid what were as like the kid? main series what are your favorite games basically oh, before
0: speedrunning oh man uh so uh growing up I was obsessed with uh with Final Fantasy that was like I loved Final Fantasy growing up um, but the the first game I remember finishing was Contra on the NES, uh, and the first console I ever had console was a, a Game Boy brick, a great gray Game Boy, yeah. And uh, with uh, Kirby's Dreamland, and I would like stay up oh, all yeah. night beating Kirby's Dreamland every. Cause I was like, I'm gonna find the secrets. There's secrets, and I was like eight, and I was like there are five. I was five, and I was like there's secrets, and I was like there there weren't any secrets in that game, <laughs> so, but I wanted to find them because anything was possible.
2: Great games. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So now that you're a streamer, do you ever game not on stream or is that basically taken over your gaming hobby? One of the things that I tell people when they ask me for advice about streaming
0: is you need to be prepared to lose your hobby when you start streaming. So if gaming is your hobby and you want to take it further than that, you will like that's the sacrifice you make. Like it is no longer your hobby. It's kind of your job. Like if like a professional, like a, like a professional athlete, like if you love playing basketball and you go pro, it is your fucking job to play basketball. Like you don't get to screw around and like decide whether or not you want to show up and play a pickup game like you every single time you pick up, you know, the basketball, you're you are, you know, improving yourself or growing or, you know, executing on whatever strategy that you have. So uh, I don't really game much off stream. I actually keep a list. Uh, it's a retirement list because everything that starts must end even though, like, I don't know how that's going to happen. But I have, like, a list of games that have come out since I started that I either haven't been able to stream because I knew it was too much time investment and I wasn't ready for that, like, I knew my chat wasn't going to be ready for that, or, like, I just knew that this game was something I loved but wouldn't perform well on Twitch. So, like, uh, like I haven't got a chance to play Final Fantasy Fifteen. Uh, I haven't got a chance to play through The Witcher 3. Like, I tried streaming The Witcher 3, but it just didn't perform well. So, I'm like, that That goes in the pile, right? Um, yeah, games so, with
2: a lot of dialogue are kind of yeah, hard to yeah. stream. Yeah, you just have
0: to sit there and, like, listen, and that's not... <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but I like to talk, so uh, it, it's hard.
2: Have there been any, like, I guess negative consequences for being internet internet famous have you been recognized what was do you remember the first time you were recognized and has oh, it kind of blown up from there or? oh
0: man oh man oh man um this is a great question so the first time the first oh my god oh my god i forgot okay so the first time i ever got recognized was back like i used to live when i first started streaming i lived in like a crappy apartment in fort wayne indiana and the delivery guy who brought me Chinese food <laughs> knew who I was. Like, I opened up the door and he was like, he was like, you know, it's like, here's your orange chicken, bro, man. And I was like, <laughs> <sighs> he's like, you speed run. Right. And I was like, yep. yeppers." um and that was funny because like that's like i so that fucked with my ego right i was like oh no like i didn't have that big of a following but since that happened i was like oh everybody must know who i am <laughs> uh but yeah no so the first time i got recognized was like a a, 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 a chinese food delivery guy and as far i mean like be, when you're live streaming or making any kind of content and and it and you're successful part of that success is due to like a following so I haven't lost too much in my life because of that. Uh, you know, I've had like the typical like, and this is gross that I have to say that, but like I've had the typical experience of like death threats and and I've been doxed a couple of times. Dang. Um, you know, uh, my old address got swatted when I was out of town. Um, oh, man. For That's an event. scary stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like, yeah. Recently, that was in the news because somebody swatted somebody over a Call of Duty game, and then the police shot and killed the guy. Right,
3: right. I Remember um,
0: that. <clears throat> so, so I've had, uh, you know, I I haven't had too much like loss of privacy over that. Um, I get stopped a lot more often now, but I I, I guess t- if you if you are doing anything as a job and you have like exposure, the best thing that you can do is just like. Make sure you talk to, like, your local police so that you don't end up being the guy on the news that gets shot. The cops don't want to shoot you. <laughs> this is, like, my PSA. Believe it or not, police officers don't want to shoot innocent people. Yeah. So if you tell a police officer what you do for a living, and this this goes for anyone. Like, if you have any sort of notoriety or if you ever, like, YouTube channel, I don't care if you have 100 subs. If you get a threat, go talk to the police and just say, like, hi, I, like, this is what I do. I received a threat. I don't want to get swatted. And if they say, what swatting, you just put in man killed by police because of swatting and show them the news coverage. And they'll go, oh, shit, like, you know, we don't want this to be us because every, everyone in that situation wants to be safe. So you can usually set up a plan with your local police officers where they'll call you and, like, set up terms, you know, because if they hear there's a bomb in your house, they still have to go check to see if the bomb's there. But if they know, like, if you have, a, a like, steps, like. I'm going to meet you outside face down in my driveway. And like me and, you know, my whole family will be (laughs) there. and We'll have our hands on the back of our heads, like whatever it takes to make sure you don't get shot and that they don't shoot at you like that's what matters because it's your life. So that's my little PSA for anybody. If you're dealing with that, Um, it's gone very well uh, for any of my friends that have been through that. When we got swatted, we got a call beforehand from the uni- universe. U City. <laughs> was when I was living in U City, U uh, City police officers were like, "Hey, uh, you know, you're not torturing anyone in your basement, right?" And like my brother was like, "Nope, <laughs> see ya outside in five minutes, uh, dude." So yeah, that, it hasn't been it hasn't been too bad. It hasn't been too bad.
3: That that is insane. That is so much more intense than I would have would have thought. So you you, you did some. This is a this is a real tangent, by the way. I'm, I'm going to no,
0: I'll talk all night. It's great.
3: But uh, but, you know, you do some psychology stuff. Joe's a doctor, almost not really. Like, what's the <laughs> yeah. deal? Why no. do people want to swap people? Like, what what did you what did you ever do besides just be a, a good streamer on Twitch that made someone want to call the well, SWAT team to your house?
0: So psychologically, the relationship that 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 can develop online between someone a content creator and someone who consumes the content, it's called a parasocial relationship, which basically means it's one directional. They'll feel really connected with you because you put everything out there. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, you know, th- like they'll know, they could, like, I have viewers that know so much about me because I live my life out in the open and, and everyone can see it. They know my wife's name. They know, you know, like what I had for dinner last night. Like they remember right. the one time three months ago when I tripped and fell down my stairs. Like they remember everything, but I don't know anything about them. So, or, or like I know, I only know so much. <laughs> it's 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 one direction yeah yeah so i think that there's some interplay with that especially and recently this has been coming up a lot with like female streamers and um you know they'll they've been a lot of the female streamers that i i know and i've worked with in the past like they're starting to share some of these messages that they get from people who are like i feel like you're leading me on um, yeah yeah you know like all this other stuff so so that plays into it a little bit and then i mean like if you take someone who's mentally unstable or who has a problem already. And then you expose them to somebody who's celebrity and then they make uh, uh, who has celebrity air quotes and then they make a judgment call about whether or not they feel like you deserve that. And if they don't feel like you deserve it, then they'll attack you. I had an experience with uh, and, and this is you're right. This is a tangent, but um, <laughs> I had an experience with uh, me and my wife. Uh, we had a guy make like 64 different username accounts. He came in every day, made the same threats for three months leading up to our wedding and it was really scary so like uh i have i have um you know i have some friends because of my relatively large reach that work in law enforcement that have access to you know things to track people down who do who do stuff like this so they they tracked him down and we filed charges and you know the the cops showed up at this guy's house and it turns out like this has happened like 15 other times and he's like 15 um he you know he had um he had some pretty profound uh, like autism and this was part of his just like This is just how we would interact with people online, you know, and that for me, that was a situation where I I went from being super angry to really empathetic, like almost instantly. Right. Because, you know, like the guy's mom was like crying and she's like, I'm so sorry. And like, you know, because we get the, the feedback from that. And and so like there's just a plethora of reasons as to like what the source cause could be as as to someone deciding to swat you. And it could just be as simple as like they're so desensitized, they think it's a funny joke to weaponize the police to something that's like really deep underlying psychological issues like a like a disorder or a disability that someone has to live with. Yeah, uh, makes yeah, sense. So That's that's wasn't expecting to talk about that. But thank
3: you for letting me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to either. But uh, that's that, that's an interesting side of your story that I was not expecting to hear. So that's not like encouraging, but it was uh, it was interesting to hear. So thanks for. Sure.
0: I empathy first. I, in, in in all those situations is like my, like protect yourself and then try and be empathetic. It keeps you from getting bitter.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Which
0: is really easy to do.
2: Cool. So there's been recent Twitch news of Ninja getting over a hundred thousand subscribers on Twitch. I had a question related to that. So is there kind of a point of no return (laughs) as far as how big your community on Twitch is where, you can't really inter- interact with people on an individual level anymore because I feel like the size of your community. I mean, you have a couple of thousand concurrent viewers, you know, at the most, and so you can still remember names of people who come in and you know people in your community. But for somebody like Ninja or even people, you know, a tier below him, is it hard to be close with your community past that some threshold that's out there?
0: I think that the threshold depends on the individual. Um- I feel like for me, because I've experienced view counts like all over the board, um, you know, whether, you know, like from when I'm starting to when destiny was at its peak, I was averaging like 10 to 22,000 viewers on average every day for like months at a time. And for me, I really start to feel disconnected from my community. Once, once my view count breaks, like, like 4,500. And like, part of that is also like, I've been cultivating my community for five years. So, there's a lot of people who I've put seeds and like built relationships with. So I can still kind of feel close to those folks outside of like the the personal determination of like this is sort of like your skill level of, of interacting with people and building community. Uh, I think that if you undergo exponential growth, it's like the disconnect happens almost instantaneously. Like when I was when I switched from speedrunning to streaming destiny, which if you're listening to this podcast and you have maybe like, oh, I think I heard his name before you know me from Destiny because I was the guy that was on the House of Wolves reveal stream. Um, you know, when I started, you know, when Destiny came out, I had 42,000 followers on Twitch. And now, uh, you know, and then three years into Destiny's content cycle, right before they launched Destiny 2, I had 642,000 followers. So, you know, that was a really fast growth curve. And in the middle of that exponential growth, I found it almost impossible to connect with my community. So I think that, the disconnect starts to happen when your growth uh, sort of outstrips your ability to pull people in and connect with folks. That's why something that I encourage other broadcasters to do, even while they're growing really quickly um, is like, if you're streaming 80 hours a week, you can probably spare an hour and like stream a game. That's not popular or, you know, hang out in the IRL directory or the creative directory or whatever, and just reconnect with your base. Of people that are going to be there no matter what. Because when you take the time to do that, you prevent like this bleed off from your community, like the they've changed and all this other stuff. The reality is like you may not have changed at all. The amount of people who are vying for your time has just increased by a factor of like three (laughs) thousand. And uh I went when I went to college, community management was part of like I have two bachelor's degrees, so that was one of them um was community management. So like, as communities grow, like, you have to figure out, like, the the function of that community. If you're small, like, it's really smart to, like, model your community like a small business or, like, a really tight-knit uh social community, right? Like a church or, like, you know, AA or whatever. Like, this is small groups of hundreds of people. And then as you scale up, you need to start treating it more and more like things to where you get to the point. Like, if you're ninja, you're basically the musical act at a concert, like, once you break 30,000 people watching you, that is a college football stadium. Yeah, <laughs> 100,000 yeah. people is bigger than any arena of uh, any single physical space that I'm aware of on earth. Like, I don't know of anywhere where you can seat 100,000 people to watch an event, which is, you know, at that point, like, you are just the show. And you might have the ability to interact with, like, your moderators, but, like, that core connection to your community is is difficult, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that question... I haven't been watching Twitch for too long, but having smaller streamers and actually be able to interact with them is a lot more intimate than hopping in Dr. Disrespect's chat when, you know, there's 500 comments going by every 30 seconds. (laughs) It's just a totally different vibe on those channels. Yeah. And that's a
0: and there's a benefit to both of those aspects. Like uh, there are people that refuse to go into channels that have more than like 100 viewers. Like, they'll never go. They're like, fuck that. That's too many people. Like, my anxiety can't handle it. Like, whatever. Um, so they'll hang out in the in the communities where they feel like they can interact with you. Uh, and as you grow, like, you just acquire different types of viewers. Like, I lost some people as my channel grew that I loved because they'd been there since, like, I had 10 viewers. And then, like, they were just gone. They're like, I can't handle this. There's, like, there's, like, 100 people here right now. And it's fucking, I'm insane. This is, I hate it you know um yeah. it just you you have to learn how to evolve with it for sure
3: very cool
2: awesome well th- thanks for letting us get to know you a little better i think we should talk about some pirates now yeah sea thieves so Yarn. if you didn't know it is an upcoming first person multiplayer probably called an MMO pirate game developed by rare who made Banjo Kazooie. It's the only one I can think about the top Banjo-Kazooie of my head. Banjo Kazooie is a Conquers game. Conquers Bad Verde. Donkey Kong Country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got me. You guys have my back. <laughs> um, and it's being released on March 20th. So just next week on Tuesday. So I'm excited about it. Um, I don't have it pre ordered. I think I'm going to go the, the Xbox Pass $10 a month route. And I know we can talk about it in some more detail on why I'm doing that and not going all in yet but I know that Ben you've done a few streams on it Kanan and I played it a couple days on one of the scale tests the other week and we had a great time but I guess Kanan what were your what what were your impressions from playing Sea of Thieves
1: and are you excited for the launch or were you disappointed or how are you feeling my impression is that it's definitely a fun game and it's something that I'm excited to see the direction that gaming is headed more of back in a sandbox direction than a really like theme park quest line driven uh massively multiplayer experience. I think this is just going to lead to more player driven content and it, it will be more exciting and more fun for me at least personally because for those reasons. Um however, I I think that there's a there's a lot a, a long way that these types of games could go, uh, and I think that this is just going to be the tip of the iceberg. And I hope to see uh, I hope to see some more immersive and more uh, immense games come out in the future. I've been playing a lot of space sim games that are similar to Sea of Thieves um, in the well, sense that. Uh, Yeah, Elite Dangerous is one of the ones that I've been playing. And that that game, to me, is awesome in its scale. It's just such a huge uh, universe to explore. But that's also kind of intimidating. And, you know, so there's pros and cons of of both games. Um, Sea of Thieves does a good job of... Having a big immersive world and also being able to get out of your ship and explore the islands and kind of have a more first person combat type experience, which I think is exciting. But once again, it's very simple, just swords and and pretty simple guns. I think there's a lot a long way that these games will go.
2: Fair enough, uh, bro, man. I think you've played it more hours than any of us have. What are your What are your impressions of the game? Have they has the scale tests and betas met those impressions? Have they changed since you have played it? Are, and are you pumped for Tuesday? I am.
0: So, Sea of Thieves has delivered, and I'm I'm glad that you brought up Elite Dangerous because I feel like this is something that 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 community likes too. Uh, sea of Thieves has brought back the ability to take what you were doing in the game and turn it into a story that you want to share because it's so open. Like you can be like, all right, dude. Like, so I was just out in the middle of the ocean. Right. And I was trying to get this stupid chest. And then these crazy son bitches, like four of them came over and they tried to take my boat. But then I shot myself into a cannon into their boat and I blew up the barrels and I got back on my boat and then I made it out safely. Like you have this ability for like an immense amount of storytelling. Um, and you you create your own adventure and and just from that aspect, I think that they've really done a good job delivering um that. But with the fact that they've they've sort of been un un uh like unveiling like their progression system, the fact that they've been, you know, showing like these are some more intense encounters that you can go after, and apparently some of the missions that you're going to be doing are going to be taking you across the entire ocean, which really like that increases the time invested, right? So if you'd spent two days finishing a quest and then you have the chest. Like, the chest, and it's in your ship, and, and you're trying to sail to the out next the water. port. Yeah, any time. Like, that is panic-inducing. You're going to be like, fuck! Like, I can't I have, imagine. I have this, like, you're going to be sitting there with that shit on a beach, and you're going to be like, when do I do this? Like, do I wait for the sun to go down? Like, and that, like, that is the, like, that's what leads to success in my mind for sandbox games, is when they take the time that you invest as the leverage to create the conflict for you. Like it's not that you have a hundred thousand people shooting bullets at you. It's that you spent two days trying to get this and now you have it and you have this pressure filled 30 minutes where you need to secure it or something like that. Um, I think that it has a lot of potential to do really well on Twitch. You know, GTA five did incredible on, on Twitch because it had, you know, an awesome RP community and then it did great on YouTube because people got into shenanigans. So uh, I think that Sea of Thieves offers, uh, at least for content creators, an opportunity to really build a platform of like, hey, look at me. I'm a silly motherfucker and I like to stab people. And call me one eyed hooky hand. <laughs> yeah. Like, follow, subscribe, dude. Like, get hooked.
2: Like,
3: <laughs> get hooked. <laughs> get hooked. Arr, get get hooked. Yeah,
2: yard. Pirate puns. So those are my feelings. Yeah, I played the scale test with a group with Kanan and a couple other people as well as Solo, and Solo is definitely an interesting experience. You get a smaller ship that you can um, control just from where the steering wheel is, so it's really fun to be able to maneuver faster. You're pretty much screwed if you get up against one of the the bigger ships, so it it can be frustrating um, playing as a single player because I kind of felt like I was helpless um, in those bigger battles. So I think that the game really is going to b- rely on friends, having friends to play with, and that's when the game seems the most fun or it seemed the most fun to me. Absolutely. Um, when I first heard about this game, it reminded me of, r- vaguely, of RuneScape. Joe knows what I'm talking about. Ooh. We would go to the, an island called Karamja on RuneScape, and we would drink beers together in the tavern <laughs> and get drunk and fish on RuneScape. And it was the time of our lives, and that was just like... <laughs> You know our exactly. own little our own little world in RuneScape where we could just goof off and have fun. But this game is kind of just like the bigger version of that. It's just kind of this playground for you to mess around in. And on top of that, it's absolutely stunning. The graphics are amazing. the The water is kind of like picture perfect. It looks real. And on top of that, the cartoony style of the ships and the people and the islands it really they really complement each other pretty well. Um and then the physics themselves of the, the the ships and sailing and catching wind in the sails and dropping the anchor to turn sharp and all the different things that go into um captaining the ships is super fun as well. So if they add fishing in, I think I think they'd hook me, no pun intended, but <laughs> that would bring bring back some of those memories from Karamja Island and RuneScape, but to a much greater extent.
4: Oh yeah. That's something that's always, like, kind of drawn me into, like, playing the Assassin's Creed 4, I think it was 4, where you're uh, on the pirate ship. Like, that game was just so amazing because, like, I could just sit there and pilot the ship for, like, a good hour and just be impressed by, like, the mechanics of it and all that. And it's one of those niche games, like, Pirates or Red Dead Redemption did with, like, the Wild West where, like, they really immerse you in it. I think that's impressive. And if mm-hmm. they if, – if Sea of Thieves can take that concept – And make it into like this multiplayer sandbox game. I think that'll be really impressive. I mean, obviously I haven't played it, but I watched some video of it. So I was impressed by their mechanics for sure.
2: Yeah, and I've been reading a lot on the subreddit. There's some good constructive feedback as well as nitpicking. But I didn't play the game really enough to get to the point where I was bored of it. And like wanting endgame content. But they have talked about on full game release, there's going to be some more things to strive for, like becoming a legendary captain and some some raid-type things on the with skeletons on the island and a big loot pile that you have to win. But, bro-man, did you play enough to get to a point where you're like, what is there to do now? Or did, were you always kind of entertained by hunting for chess or hunting for animals? You know, I played the first beta. I guess I played
0: uh, the first beta and then a scale test, the first scale test as well. And I, I found, like, it took... <laughs> I mean, it took 12 hours of just, like, grinding and, like, getting as many chests as possible, playing with, you know, three other people, and we were drunk off our ass the whole time. (laughs) Um, It was the greatest stream I've ever done on Twitch. (laughs) But, you know, it was at the end of that, I was like, uh, I should, I felt like, I didn't feel like I was done. I felt like, uh, I should take a break. Uh, And it was also part of, part of my feeling at that point was, like, I want to stop now because I don't want to dump, like, 30 hours into this and then log into the real game and be like, man, fuck this! I already have to start over. Yeah. Like, I think that there's a limit for me personally, like how much I can invest. But just doing like the gold farming missions and trying to rank that guy up a whole bunch—that was really like engaging to me. And the first test, they only had the gold chest guy, and there's going to be like a magic person and all that other stuff. I think there's enough progression there, uh, and I think that if it hooks you, it's going to be it's going to be the shit, man. Everyone's going to love it.
2: Yeah. Um. Some people have been complaining that. There's only six ships, a server and some stuff like that. But Rare has responded and said, yeah, there's six ships on your current server, but we have technology in place so that really you move from server to server transitioning mm-hmm. seamlessly. And they they base it on distance in, in between ships because they want you to have an encounter with another ship every 15 minutes or so okay um so that's really pretty interesting how you're not you don't Mm. stay in the same server yes there are only six ships on one server but that's kind of how they make up for it you can move from server to server and they want that 15 minute kind of gap in in between encounters so they have
0: a they have like a hybridized server system that's based off of like in-game world proximity so you yes. would never so, really know that there's only six ships unless you are all unless uh, unless you like got on proximity chat and like everybody dock on this island. <laughs> and then you'd be like, "Oh, there's only six motherfucking ships." This is bullshit. <laughs> you know, that's I'm I honestly personally like I'm really happy that they came out and said that and and explained it because uh <laughs> forbes the guy who writes for forbes for gaming was like get ready for sea of thieves to be this year's no man's sky um and the fact (laughs) that please no please no right yeah like please no dude i've never been more depressed uh in my life i could see it yeah i was so so sad um but like the the fact that they came out was like yes like there's millions of ships in the ocean but you're only going to see six at a time Is better than being like oh yeah you can you're never going to find another person and then you both get
2: on the same planet, and then, like,
1: oops. I hated that about No Man's Sky. That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, oops. But, yeah, yeah my no,
2: understanding I... of the server switching was when you load onto an island and it the graphics come up on your screen that say the name of the island, mm-hmm. that's when you transition to a new server. So they... Okay. They look at how how close the ships are around you, and when you load onto a new island, that's when it recalibrates and puts you closer or farther away from other ships. So that's, pretty interesting.
0: That's really smart, and that's yeah. cool because it's it's like server side math that they can tweak. If it's not delivering, I I I like it. It's risky, but
3: I like it. <laughs> <laughs> let your let your resident gaming expert, which is me. Excellent. Jeez. Tell you what I'm excited about about Sea Please. of Thieves, okay? Please. I'm excited about getting drunk on island rum. <laughs> I'm on. excited about fighting the cracking off of my ship and bro man in the hostel. Huh? Uh, we have we have pillars, two pillars. Okay. <laughs> bro ship and camaraderie. Okay. B and, B and C for short, and I'm excited for some B and C on the sea. Okay, Ooh. that's what I'm excited for.
2: And what's going to assist in that BNC is the fact that it's cross-platform. I can play with Joe, who doesn't have an Xbox One, because he's a poor med (laughs) student and only has a laptop. You know, like, that's awesome that I can, I love the cross-platform play, that you can play somebody on PC, as well as somebody on Xbox. Um, So, I'm excited about that for Mm -hmm. the BNC, Jared. The BNC, I like it. I live for it. You mentioned the Kraken as well. That's a, something they didn't have in the beta or the scale test, but there's been some screenshots and the Kraken looks like a formidable boss of some sort that will probably destroy your ship the first five times that
3: you encounter it. But
2: it's <laughs> pretty sure. sweet.
3: There's just there's just no chance, man. Like if, if I see the kraken, I'm I'm I don't know. There's nothing you can there's nothing you can do. You're going to die. And it's the sad truth of the matter. Or run away. Like
0: I hope, I hope that you can like kill it and get mega treasure. That'd be awesome. That's true. Like Monster Hunter, like Monster Hunter, like you just you kill the Kraken and then you're like, yeah, I made this jacket out of his tentacle, <laughs> <laughs> my hat's his beak,
3: like whatever, a sweet scarf. Yeah, look at my sweet jacket. Hey, one time I had a nightmare where I was in a lake and the Kraken was there, and I, I got up on an island. Okay, I got up on the island in the lake, and I was like, okay, man, I am safe. I'm on the island. Kraken, Kraken can't get me here. And then he starts. He, getting, he, the he, he gets up on the island. And he starts like knocking down trees, coming at me. <laughs> and it was uh, it was the scariest dream I've ever had. Because like I was like what? I can't get in the water. I'm gonna die. I can't stay here. I'm gonna die. That <laughs> it's is a terrible dream. Death.
2: That is amazing. <laughs> Jeez. You know that reminds me of a dream I had two nights ago. I thought <laughs> yeah. a snake. I thought a snake was hanging from the ceiling onto my bed under the covers, and I um kind of attacked my wife in my sleep trying to kill the snake (laughs) nice and she was freaked out but yeah that reminded me of that dream not proud of it but i was trying to save us from the snake Yeah, bro you You gotta do what you
4: gotta do david is a notorious sleepwalker though so when i was his roommate he would like i'd be in the middle of the night and i'd get up and like look over and he's like at the end of his bed just looking at me like reaching like (laughs) just terrifying stuff that he would do in his sleep
2: (laughs) yeah what can i say So, Kanan, you had mentioned Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, No Man's Sky. What do you think that kind of the future is of those survival, open-world type MMOs, and what are you most excited about
1: them? Okay, to be honest, I'm most excited for the next generation of those games to come out because I think that, like I said with uh, Sea of Thieves... There's more that could be done to these games to make them more uh, RPG oriented, more character building oriented, and at the same time, keep the explorative sandbox feel that they've captured, which is awesome, which I love. Best video games ever made are that way, but I do feel as though there is a little bit of a lack of desire to to compete, desire to make make your character unique in some of these games because it, it seems like there's a lack of customiz- customization, a lack of being able to play in different ways in just in some of these games. Obviously, that, that that's going to come out in the way that people play, like especially in Sea of Thieves. There's no classes. There's no different, you know, there's not like a mage or a, a rogue pirate that you can play from. It's all just one Pirate class, but certain people choose to play with swords. Certain people play with guns. So there is a little bit of customization. But I just feel like they could go, they could go heavier with it. And I'm, ex- I'm just excited for the future of of this style of game. I'll still obviously play these these games, um, and I'm excited about them. But I am looking to the future. Potentially, uh, I'm am looking forward to to the next to the next big thing and i don't think that any of these things that we're seeing is is it
2: okay you're dreaming too big kanan you <laughs> just want that star wars mmo where you can become a i do eye, i
1: do <laughs> want the entire big the entire galaxy of star wars recreated in an mmo would be absolutely unreal that would be insane bro man you're gonna be
2: streaming see if these next next week i assume
1: yes very much so
2: i'll be streaming it a lot can't wait Um, are you gonna dress up again
0: yeah dude i actually like i have a i have a yes i have (laughs) a a second part of my office that sits right next to me that's got a bunch of random crap on it look at that and uh so my sea of thieves gear has not left my side since then because like why (laughs) you know i've got like controllers over here to my left and i've got like a let's see what do i got over here i have i have some glasses i have a pot holder i have a snes classic and i have my wii controller and then i have my my pirate gear so i'm i'm always ready to go because here's the thing about twitch if you do a shtick and then you don't do it you basically just killed everybody's pets and they're mad at you (laughs) so um like how dare you not i thought you only played this game upside down no that was just like two minutes when is upside down? <laughs> when are you gonna do it again? I be so Now gonna you have to
2: drink again. and dress up every time you stream C no. Oh my god, no. Like uh
0: <laughs> some people are like, Hey man, how's your liver gonna survive a week? And I was like, dude, listen, I drank so much that the one like the first day. Like like I I felt horrible. Like everybody all we had four people that we did like a full day stream and like by the end of the day we were all like mm, like uh Tim, the drunkest of us uh he had been he drank from 6 a.m. What? Jeez. He made grog like this pineapple rum grog. He drank from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. He for was him. fucking <laughs> he was wasted. Like I've never like I could I I kept like after after 6 hours like noon I was like Tim are you okay? He's like I'm fine dude. Like I'm just going to keep
2: drinking.
0: <laughs> and you're like holy crap um you know so I, like i think like maybe once a once a month i feel like i could get that drunk without going to the hospital uh you know i'll have a couple brews maybe rum only uh, dude maybe rum launch only. day i might do a blowout like what's up it's tuesday and it's tequila tuesday and here goes all my tequila <laughs> but uh not every day that would be wretched mm
2: well good thing we set the right expectations at least for for your viewers all right i think it's time to move on to the main event of the evening the debate so jared will be judging and the debate question is what is the most influential video game of all time so, Jared, I will hand it over to you from here, and you can explain the, the order of things, how you want it to go.
3: Excellent. All right, gang. Well, you all have your picks. I hope they are uh, good ones. And here's how we're going to start. Each of you is going to make a, uh, a short, maybe one or two-minute opening statement, maybe closer to one-minute opening statement, okay. uh, giving the big the big points you want to make. And then later we'll have time for rebuttal and expansion on your points and that kind of thing. But for right now, I just want to hear your pick. And I want to hear your elevator pitch for why it's the most influential game of all time. We'll start with our esteemed guest, Broman. What's your okay. pick? Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, my pick for the most influential game of all time and my favorite game of all time is Chrono Trigger on the Super Nintendo. Chrono Trigger is easily one of the most influential games of all time because... Even though it was on a limited platform, it had fantastic art direction, memorable music, and multiple endings. It was one of the first games that I remember engaging me enough to finish it 13 different times to acquire all of the (laughs) endings. It had deep mechanics uh, that had not been introduced uh, on a wide scale uh, for other RPGs of that time. And uh, the art direction was done by none other than the same person who did Dragon Ball Z. I, I my oh,
3: nice. Oh. Excellent. Lo- <laughs> Love the pick. Now we'll go from left to right on my screen. Kanan, what is your pick, my friend?
1: Uh, my pick is World of Warcraft. I think um, it has heavily influenced, since 2004, its inception, massively multiplayer online games, and will continue to do so in the future. And since I think that that is going to be a large portion of the games that we're seeing in the future, and they're going to be potentially some of the most popular games in the future. I think that World of Warcraft uh, is a good a good choice for most influential game. Uh, it sets the gold standard and has since its inception, and will continue to do so, as far as I'm concerned, for some time. Not that I'm not excited for the WoW Killer. I am excited for the WoW Killer, but we haven't seen it yet.
3: All right. Very good. Joseph, what you got? Well...
4: I'm going to say a point here, and I'm going to repeat this point later, because I think it's important, and I should you all pay attention. If your game does not have the name Mario in the title, then you're wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> because the greatest game of all time, I'm going to go with the original, is Super Mario Bros., uh, which came out on the NES back in 1985. And uh, I'll get into the details later, but Jared, I think you and I kind of agree on the point that goat, greatest of all time, and boat, best of all time do not equal the same thing. So I think it's clear oh, we're shit. not debating the best game of all time. We're just debating what game has had the most influence and been the greatest.
3: Okay, Joseph, I look forward to hearing more about Super Mario Brothers, Big D, what you got, my friend? I'm going to
2: start with the definition
3: of influence from
2: dictionary.com. Cause I know oh Jared God. is a this fan is, of, you
0: have this guy on your
2: podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> no,
0: I love it. I read, know, the, read the definition. you don't know
2: this yet. You got to play to the, what the judge wants. And Jared likes definitions. So All right. influence noun, the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behavior, opinions of others. So in this case, it is a thing that is a compelling force. And my thing is Halo 2. So the main areas that Halo 2 was influential in that I'm going to focus on are online gaming and its impact and kind of catalyst for Xbox Live and as well as competitive gaming because it was the first big game in the major league gaming professional circuit to make it big and was the first one that was actually on television as well so those are the big two areas i'm going to focus on as well as its impact on the first person shooter genre
3: okay halo 2 got it all right thank you everybody now uh it's going to get a little crazy and hectic but the floor is open for uh you to expand on your points i'd like to hear at least everybody expand on uh their opening statement and give me some more details, as well as if you already have things in mind to attack your opponents, uh, feel free. So I give the floor to you guys now. I'll jump back in in a little bit. I would like to take us back
1: to a simpler time. Let's go back to the <laughs> early 2000s. Uh, it's a it's a it's a new age for MMOs. We're seeing the second generation of MMOs come out. This is uh, EverQuest Two. Uh, Star Wars Galaxies was one of them that I have personal experience with. Uh, EVE Online came out, which is a very popular space simulator MMO. Um, and one thing that was very... Uh, co- had One thing in common with all these games in the early 2000s were they were primarily sandbox games. They were very open world, player-driven content, player-created content, and they were doing fairly well for the MMO market at that time. Fast forward to November 2004, World of Warcraft comes out and completely turns the game upside down as far as as far as a smooth and put together MMO was concerned. WoW did it just phenomenally better than any MMO had done it to that point. They took MMOs away from sandbox style games, player created content, to a theme park style MMO. Which was follow this quest line. You'll get to the max level. And then you can start playing the end game content. I was happened to play a game called Star Wars Galaxies at the time. When WoW was released. And Star Wars Galaxies subscriber count took a massive hit when WoW came out. Because of the reasons I mentioned before. It was just a very well put together MMO at the, for the time. Star Wars Galaxies attempted to make their MMO more like World of Warcraft by implementing a theme park system, a leveling system, a class system. So completely removing all sandbox elements of the game to essentially mirror and copy WoW. And this was happening with almost every game that was around at that time. And then every MMO that's come out since WoW has followed the same exact formula. It's essentially a WoW remake with a different skin and this has been happening since 2004 and nothing has changed wow is has obviously been expanded upon there's been released expansions since its game but this is still the original game running for 14 years has millions of active active subscribers has reached 12 million total subscribers at one point and it has no no competition as far as I'm concerned. There's just absolutely no competition in the MMORPG market, and there's no competition in sight either. These adventure-style MMO games are not going to take players away from WoW because there are not the elements of WoW that MMORPG players like in these adventure M- sandbox MMOs.
2: Kanan, my first rebuttal would be RuneScape came out in 2001, so who
1: influenced who? Well, no, and I'm I'm not saying that there weren't... I, as I was saying, the early 2000s were the second generation of MMOs. So WoW was kind of even on the tail end of the second generation of MMOs, but it has held the gold standard for the past 14 years and will continue to do so. And to be honest, I, I don't see this game going anywhere for another 10 years. Interesting. Allow me to express
0: what a game truly is. <laughs> a game is truly something that you can enjoy by yourself or with friends. And the key flaw in any game that is massively multiplayer is the fact that you need other people to play it. And if those people weren't there, the game would be horrible. Um. So let us consider the depth and variety of character building and development in such a fantastic game. You could play with your friends on the couch or by yourself in your basement. Chrono Trigger. Memorable characters. Wonderful scoring. Systems that informed the leveling and growth of other games that were, have yet to come before the internet even existed to connect us. Checkmate.
2: <laughs> Do you mind explaining what the game is at a high level? I, unfortunately, I hadn't heard of it, so it didn't influence me
3: personally.
2: <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. You know, I've never I never watched the movies that won the first
0: Oscars, but I'm sure they informed filmmaking for years to come.
3: Uh,
0: so so allow me allow me to, to simplify Chrono Trigger is the story of you, the protagonist, a rough and tumble guy from a mid-century town that gets sucked into a time, a time traveling journey that takes you to 65 million B.C. all the way up to the year 1999 and beyond. And 1999 is the day that you travel to where the world ends and you have to stop the world from ending through time travel. And this is a very heady and difficult to manage concept for games nowadays. Now imagine having no three-dimensional engines, no beautiful graphics, no nothing, and having to tell a story of time travel in with 16-bit characters and no voiceovers. Chrono Trigger not only delivers on that, but it is such masterful storytelling that it puts many other games to shame, even currently. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Kanan,
1: have you heard of it? It has a nice anime art style. I feel like Jet you mate. would enjoy it. I have definitely heard of Chrono Trigger, and I've I never rely my arguments on bashing other people's arguments or even saying anything <laughs> bad about their their choices i think all of these games are obviously influential influential games nice try i just think let's look at (laughs) let's look at what's going to continue what's going to continue to be popular in the future let's look right now stuff that's very popular destiny has been popular in the past few years r.i.p rest in peace (laughs) uh these these adventure mmos are are growing in popularity uh the 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 battleground Player unknown battlegrounds and Fortnite style game is starting to come really into play. These are these are large multiplayer games that were in, were obviously taken influence straight from the game that has done it the best for the longest, World of Warcraft. Look, even even something as simple as Destiny's loot color system is identical to Wow's from the very beginning. It has been green for uncommon, blue for for rare, purple for epic, and gold for exotic. And these are these are straight out of concepts taken out of World of Warcraft, which were obviously adapted from games before that, but let's let's look at it for what it is. It's a it's the biggest MMO that's ever existed, and MMOs are going to be the biggest games that have ever been played and will ever be played. Look at okay. Well, for one example, uh, let's just bring up the science fiction uh, movie that's coming out, Ready Player One. It depicts a world in the future where every single person is is hooked into this VR game. Obviously, that is a sci-fi dystopian view of what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. it's actually not that far off, if if you ask me. Wow.
2: Well, I think that weapon indicator colors are cool and all, but you know what is a much bigger influence on gaming but also is starting to cross industries now is competitive gaming, eSports. And Halo 2 was at the very forefront of that new industry, billion-dollar industry that is of today. In 2004, Halo 2 came out, first-person shooter developed by Bungie Studios, released for the original Xbox. In the first 24 hours when Halo 2 came out, it was the biggest entertainment product sales-wise in the first 24 hours. In in Bigger than any movie, any game. Yeah. Wow, okay. Look it up. Fact check that. (laughs) And um, Xbox Live was carried on the back of Halo 2. Before players for online gaming had to set up their own custom servers on PC and search for servers, there weren't good ranking systems. Halo 2 pioneered a good... Matchmaking and ranking system that was so much fun for Halo 2, not to mention how great of a game it was. I'm not even focusing on that, but just the influence it had. Um, MLG started in 2006, and Halo 2 was their first game being broadcast on... TV, the USA Network, MLG, as you know, evolved into a much bigger organization. It's not as big today, but it has changed, and other companies have formed in esports like ESL and Overwatch League and organizations like that. But Halo 2 was the first game to do that, to get popular for professional gaming. You'll probably, lots of people, even if you're not into esports, know the game, the names of t-squared and walshy and the ogre twins from the halo 2 mlg days and those were the golden days because they were the beginning of esports um so those are some more details on halo 2 baby
3: very nice joe i gotta hear more from you my man oh for sure i was uh gearing up for it
4: look your picks are all great they're all wonderful picks uh and I think each of them kind of fits into a niche of gaming, such as you have your MMOs, or you have your sandbox, or you have your uh, maybe competitive gaming, the MLG, or you have you know your indie games that are more popular in uh, certain subsets, uh, story-driven games, that kind of thing. But let me take you back in time. It could be via Chrono Trigger's time machine for all you for all you care. But we're going to go back in time to 1983, a time known okay. as the video game crash. It is when video games basically fell off the earth in the American market and partially internationally. And at that time, everyone just gave up on basically home gaming systems, and they went back to the old arcade style. And in 1985, a beautifully made game came out that is credited as salvaging that, and that game was Super Mario Bros., which basically came out on the NES, they rebranded the NES from the fam, whatever it was called, and it, it took over American gaming, and it basically created the home gaming system and from then on out people have had consoles in their home you know since since then and so you, you kind of trace all these timelines mmos the the all those games back to their their origin and it's it's going to be that little that little crash in 1983 and the salvage that came from 1985 when super mario bros came out and you want to talk about beautiful art direction and well-known things do 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 everybody knows that it's a me a mario everybody knows that you know these are things that everyone thinks of when they think of gaming and that's what has made it so compa- so uh, influential it's not the first game but it, it took gaming to a whole new level hmm. strong points <laughs> thank you strong points
2: well who which which one of these games had the worst real life adaptation <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> Definitely see. Mario. yeah
1: mario oh, cool. probably halo i don't know world the, the world of warcraft movie was pretty bad i thought but it wasn't that bad Chrono Trigger didn't influence
2: the TV or film industry, I see. Ah, oh, man. you didn't. They didn't make video <laughs>
0: game movies back then, bro. Why you make video game movies back then, dude? People don't play video games.
4: <sighs> Only nerds play video games. That was for the better that they didn't make a movie out of those. Yeah. Better, for better that they never make video games into movies, honestly.
1: You don't need to make a movie about something that's already perfect. You well, I, 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 have, I have something to to build on.
3: Okay, go for <laughs> it.
1: Okay, so, so let's... Looking at the the word influence there's there's a lot of different ways to look at at that word uh something that World of Warcraft has that none of these uh none of these other games do is the fact that it is a current and continuous developing game that employs hundreds of people every single day and has for the last fourteen years uh when you look at the the influence that is is built from there. The families the the children that are provided for the that's that's huge that's that's something that these other games can't necessarily say yes there was teams of large people working on them but it's not something that can they can continuously put their effort into and continuously be rewarded they have to move on to a sequel or a you know just a a completely new game uh, because the game is closed off in a in a certain way obviously halo 2 is is a little different because there was the multiplayer aspect and that did probably employ a team of people for a certain amount of time but i don't think it could be anywhere near the the amount of people that are working on a game as huge as world of warcraft
3: Hmm. okay
2: specifically halo 2 no but i mean obviously the halo franchise employed many people at bungie then 343 industries and as it does to this day
0: I think the real question is, what games inspired the people who make the games that everyone loves currently? And Chrono Trigger is consistently rated as a game that developers love. So, you know, who watches The Watchmen? I don't know. Checkmate. Dead silence. That's how you know I won, judge. (laughs) Okay, I I froze up too. Yeah, I didn't see it. That was weird. Okay. Oh, man, I thought I won my argument.
3: Yeah, hey. just <laughs> left. Oh, it, man. It, it sounded, that, that was, did everybody freeze? Is that what happened?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I missed so. that entire statement, right, when you're about to okay, start. Okay, and man. it
3: sounded so good, too. You said, you were talking about, you know, the games. You are about to, start to talk about inspiration. I was like, okay, let's hear it. And then it just froze. Yeah, yeah. Listen, like, you have to talk, think about, oh, no. if you're talking
0: about influence, you have to think about the games that influence the people that make the games that you all think are influencing everything. <laughs> and Chrono Trigger is one of those games. you gotta talk to any game developer what's one of your favorite games oh I really like Earthbound and I really like Chrono Trigger and I really like they list it it's always in the list
1: (laughs) it's in the list
0: okay you would not have World of Warcraft you didn't have Chrono Trigger just saying
1: (laughs) just saying I do believe that I do believe that and that may defeat my argument but I can still say there's there's so much that has been influenced from World of Warcraft and so much that will continue to do so in the past And yes, it could all potentially be traced back to Chrono Trigger, but I think that some of the improvements and the standards that World of Warcraft has set that have been in nearly every single game since then, FPS, MMO, or otherwise, it just is a hands it's it's a no-brainer to me.
3: Hey, I got a question. We we should spend so little time on this because we've been throwing these terms around all day and I haven't asked but, I thought you were the resident gaming well, expert. I am Jared. the resident gaming expert, but you know, I, I'm good at playing games, bro. I'm not good <laughs> at talking about them, okay? You get the difference. And uh but Kanan, am I wrong in saying that like a bunch of new MMO games are sandbox style while you're saying that uh wow was uh theme park style
1: yes so that's actually that's what i was trying to talk about earlier in the early in the earlier portion of the show was that i'm excited to see this new wave of of sandbox games okay Gaming, so going they're, back they're, in that direction they're
3: coming back around i got you i got you it's
1: swinging back around but see there's still elements of what world of warcraft did that can be found sure, in sure. those games and i also think that the games the games that will be the most successful in the future are the games that bridge the gap between the sandbox style that's that we're seeing coming out with Sea of Thieves and something that's more established and and like long long running and hasn't died in 14 years like World of Warcraft
3: yeah okay Joe, I mean, I I, I hear your I hear your main point that Super Mario Bros. may have may have revived the in in home gaming system. I mean, is that that's your argument? That's the whole thing. Nope.
4: Is that it, Joe? <laughs> oh yeah, is that it? Just the fact that it saved the entire industry? No, look. Yeah, uh,
2: just that, dude. Like <laughs> just that.
4: It's just like it's just you just
0: run to the right and jump. Like <laughs> is that even a game? <laughs> you just run and jump.
4: <laughs>
0: 5 year old can yeah, do we, that? They can. <laughs> A baby Nobody can do Nobody can that. time travel yet. <laughs>
4: For the Checkmate. capabilities of 1985, that was, that was great stuff, <laughs> especially being able to put that in your home. Um, and like I said, yeah, it saved, saved the home video game industry, which is largely what we think of in terms of video games today. Um, in terms of sales, also, if you just want to go by sheer numbers, it is the fifth highest, um, sold game in the history. Uh, I think Tetris is number one or something, and it's, it's number five at 40 million, um, which is above all the others on this list, none of the others cracked the top five. Um, in nineteen ninety a survey was done asking little asking children basically about Mickey Mouse or about Mario, and Mario was by far more popular than Mickey Mouse, who everybody knows. So this I mean this game, like, you don't have to go far to see the influence it's had. Everybody everybody's played Mario, you know, from, from a young age. And it, you're right, the Chrono Trigger probably did influence the gamers that have made other games, but before that, because yours came out in nineteen ninety nine in 1985, this was a game that influenced creators of Chrono Trigger, um, by all rights. Just because people like uh, <laughs> <laughs> people like Shigeru Miyamoto, the the Nintendo legend, he's the yeah, guy that no, made it, full. and he he put so much into it, so much art direction, um, just. You know that's the second song. I just named two songs. Yeah, keep, the keep, singing <laughs> keep singing, Joe. Keep singing, sing. Joe.
3: We don't know that. How many? <laughs> how many? Uh, how many themes can you sing for us, Joey? If you if you can sing at least eight themes, I will give you name oh. <laughs> Yikes!
0: <laughs> Honestly, I just have <laughs>
3: two.
2: Uh, okay, man. underwater song. So good.
3: Um and uh, Big D. You know, you mentioned online gaming and its influence on Xbox Live. Uh, It's um, kind of pioneering in eSports.
2: Yeah, I'll expand and turn it into my final statement. How about that? Yeah, perfect.
3: I was about to ask.
2: So Halo 2, it defined... First person shooter genre, online gaming through Xbox Live, as well as esports and competitive gaming. Um, first person shooter, the controls had been all across the board as far as console shooters up till that point. Um, Halo established the grenades, um, melee, guns the best um, compared to other games at the time, as well as the controller scheme that most shooters on console adopted after that. Um, it also made Xbox Live popular pretty much helped sell the original xbox as well as xbox live and establish that online platform as the best for a long time um psn network has caught up i'd say in the past few years but xbox live definitely dominated for a while and on top of that you turn on espn these days you can be you can be seeing league of legends up there with million dollar prize pools as well as the new overwatch league um professional PUBG. that's another story but there's Halo, still professional, Halo 5, ESL is a million-dollar company as well as other sports leagues. And Halo 2 was the start of that with MLG in 2006. Sundance Giovanni helped start that. And the professional days of Halo 2 were what got people excited about esports, excited about professional gamers, and realized that they could actually be professional athletes and be worthy of watching. And I think that really I could relate this to, to streaming games as well that esports and streaming those games were kind of definitely had a huge influence on twitch and platforms like that for other gamers to stream that weren't professional but um, it was a similar entertainment um, kind of field and movement that halo 2 helped start with from the mlg days so halo 2 is the most influential those are three huge areas and i think that those are bigger and more impactful than these other games at the high level
3: okay great thank you very much. Joe, how about a closing statement?
2: Obviously, I think I've made it
3: pretty clear the
4: the influence that Super Mario has has had. But to further solidify it, I'll bring up a point that was brought up earlier in terms of these Oscar movies, right? So you look at a movie um, like Three Billboards, you know? Uh, maybe not a lot of people saw it, uh, but it got high accolades because it was so great. Movies like that exist because there were movies before it. Movies like Citizen Kane or Gone with the Wind, just huge classic movies that existed that have been able to make an an entire industry out of film and because that industry exists you can make these smaller you know maybe beautiful pieces and and I would draw the same correlation between things like Chrono Trigger and and Super Mario Super Mario allowed in on a large scale for the industry to develop that Chrono Trigger could be birthed into and later down the road for things like Halo 2 to be birthed into and for things like World of Warcraft so it's it's not only the predecessor but also uh, the thing that, that salvaged the game industry.
3: Hmm. All right, thank you, Joseph. Kanan, please. I think it's
1: pretty clear a game that has been running actively with millions of subscribers for 14 years is is going to happen to just be the most influential just because of the amount of people that it affects on a day-to-day basis. Uh, this is the game, in its in its original form, Obviously expanded and improved over time, but it is the same game, and it is still a dominant force in the industry. It is setting standards across multiple genres of gaming, and it will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. I don't see how there's any other choice for most influential video game other than World of Warcraft.
3: Okay, noted, noted. And uh, bro, uh man, take us home, my friend.
1: When talking about video games,
0: you're talking about one thing. <laughs> talking about talking about connection. <laughs> All right. None of my competitors have even mentioned connection. And I know they'll say that they have, and they have, but they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no game. There's no game in the history of mankind that developers have connected with more than Chrono Trigger. I can't prove this, but I don't need to because I said it. I <laughs> it's
3: done. All right. It's, it's, he's, he's done dead. it? <laughs> done. Done. A powerful statement. A powerful statement. Checkmate. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Woo. Let me let me say this off, you know. It's going to be
0: tough, guys. It, yeah.
3: It, it, this is tough. on On the front side, I have to say this. This is the hardest debate I have ever judged, I think. Oh. <laughs> and uh I
2: mean, this one, yeah, it definitely wasn't, you know, there weren't two sides to take. So many good options that I could see how it'd be hard to judge, but I know, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> what the
3: real answer That's, is. Th- yeah, I know no. you know. Well, look, what I know. as a uh as a solid rock of objectivity in the courtroom, you can <laughs> you can be sure that that my ruling will be the right one. But here's what I'm thinking, to be honest. Like, this is so difficult. And there there were times when each of you, I was like, okay, they're going to win. And then there were times where each of you was like, well, I don't think so anymore. So um, it's very difficult. For that reason, I think I'm just going to announce the winner. And I'm not going to bother going through fourth place, third place. You can't rank them, yeah? Yeah, I don't want to rank. Like, it's just, it was very difficult. So I'm going to skip straight to the winner this time. And I'll give a brief explanation of, of my thinking. So, the winner is... David. Heyo!
0: Congratulations.
3: With Halo 2. And you know, I don't know how I... <laughs> yeah, whatever. So, here, here's, here's kind of my takes on, on all of this. Uh, Kanan, I thought you were in the lead for a while, man. You were, I thought you had really good points about the way WoW influenced other games then bro man Brink come you know he comes to the to the plate and uh, <laughs> and and he says that in fact a chrono trigger might have influenced developers you know and the way games oh, are no. made more than other games even so uh this it was guy. hard for me to distinguish between uh you guys were kind of talking about the impact on games as far as influence goes and that was tough joe you were talking about the influence on home gaming pretty much exclusively and also like being able to recognize Sound bites, which is which is influence for sure. But when it came down to it, I thought Big D had the broadest um, influence when he made a good point about Xbox Live, and that that that's a that's a huge part of gaming, at least in kind of everyday experience. Um, Esports becoming a huge thing. And I don't know how I don't know how accurate it is that like Halo Two is, you know, the foundation of esports or anything. But I have to go off what you guys tell me. So I don't know. All things considered, I thought his was the broadest influence, so that's what won it. But but hear me when I say this was a very difficult decision. And good points all around. Thank you, Judge, Once again, Jared. the win.
1: Thank you.
4: Once again, you, Jared, you, uh, letting try. you have failed me as a
1: judge. <laughs> I think you just hate <sighs> me. I really do. <laughs> if I can't fast. win with John Williams for first person hey, to meet hey, aliens, then <laughs> I can't win with anything. Kanan, <laughs> Kanan.
3: let me say this. You tried. I... In hindsight, like, I, I very much regret not giving you the win. <laughs> I, I do. Oh, That's come so on. funny. You for had, John Williams? You, you, had the, uh, you had the right pick there, and you made a great argument.
1: I debated that John Williams should be the first person to be our uh, kind of ambassador to Aliens for First Contact with his music specifically.
2: Yep, but it's all about the arguments, isn't it? It is. It's about. It's about the argument. Lying, who can lie the best? Yeah, yeah. That's,
3: that's that's what I'm starting to think. Like there, there was a lot, of, there was a lot of stuff going around. I just could not verify. Like Broman's out here saying that his game, you know. No,
2: I, I didn't. What are you talking about? Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big D's throwing stuff around,
2: but it is what it is. All right, bro, Man, you're. You're a top Twitch influencer. Did esports. Did <laughs> nah, esports. Your esports
0: argument was very good. It was very. I was like, yeah. Okay. Esports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely fine. helped build
2: up the streaming industry, hasn't it?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Reluctant. Uh, okay.
2: Just needed the confirmation that I wasn't pulling that out of my butt. All right. Well, Feels I think good. that is going to wrap up the show. Yeah. So, <laughs> Broman, I know that you have a couple other things that we didn't mention, side businesses off oh, sure. of Twitch. Is there anything that you'd like to let the people know where to find you online, or yeah. what to do to how to get to Guardian Con this year, anything <laughs> like that? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh,
0: you can find me, I'm Professor Broman, everywhere on the internet. Uh. The only thing, I mean, like you know, like we could talk about a bunch of shit, but the only thing I really care about is um. Uh, I am the uh, charity director for a gaming convention it, here in uh, Tampa, Florida. It's July 13th and 14th. It's called Guardian Con. Uh, it's benefiting St. Jude. Last year, we raised $1.3 million for the hospital. Holy this year we're This year, we're aiming to raise uh, $2.4 million for the hospital, which runs the entire uh, research facility for a day. Uh, Guardian Con fundraising takes place on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Guardian Con. Or if you want to show up at the physical event, you can expect to meet, you know, a pretty typical show floor for a, a gaming convention, uh, except the focus is on gamers uh, and content creators and the good that we do together in the world, uh, and partnering uh, with each other to make an event that's for us and not for just the industry, uh, you know, like like a PAX or something like that. So that's that's my pitch. Um, if you're a content creator of any shape or size, podcast, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Instagram, whatever. Um, it's a great place to go and network with people um, and raise some money for a great cause. Dude, that is awesome. And if you want to check out the website, it is GuardianCon.co. Very cool. There's my elevator pitch.
2: <laughs> Very nice. And Kanan, I know you're working on some
1: new electronic music lately. Where can people check that out once yeah. it is released? Um, I will be releasing that on my website pro- most likely. Um, imosui.com. O-S-U-W-I. You can check it out on Spotify and Apple Music as well. I have some stuff up there right now and on YouTube. So
2: Sweet. Looking forward to it. All right, thanks, Joe and Jared, as always. Um, we will be back. Next episode, I believe, is going to be focused on Ready Player One, so that'll be fun, mm-hmm. kind of a movie-slash-video-game combined episode. Um, the schedule for us is every other week, so every other Friday is when we post. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Hostile Discourse. We are there, and we post, and so you can get some more content there. But thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next
1: time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. So long. Thanks for listening to Hostile Discourse. Subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And check out our other social media accounts linked in the show notes. Join us next time for
0: more inexhaustible debate over the most questionable of topics.